Hello, and welcome to the Accidental Yogini, a podcast discussing all things yoga from someone who sort of fell into the life of this transformative practice. From lively discussions about the physical practices to bringing the philosophies into the context of your current life, join me, Dr. Tracy Allshafer, in a journey of self-discovery and enlightenment through ancient practices, holistic medicine, and all things energy. So welcome everyone to the Accidental Yogini podcast. This is Tracy Allshafer here, and I have a wonderful guest with me today, a student of mine that I have not seen or spoken to in a very long time, Debbie Philp. And um, Debbie, how long has it been since you left New Jersey for New York? 12 years. Oh my goodness. Has it been that long, really? Yes. (laughs) Wow. That's exciting. Uh, You set out to really create a new life for yourself uh, and your family. And um, do you want to share a little bit of your journey um, with yoga, maybe a little bit of your background, how you got into yoga and what inspired you to make this big move? Sure. So I actually started my yoga practice about 25 years ago. Mm. Um, It was, Um, yeah, it was a long time ago in a gym where I was um, trying to move through some stuff that was coming up for me after becoming a mom for the first time and living in a new place. And I just, I started going to the gym to kind of find something that I liked, and um, I found a yoga class, and after that, yoga was the only thing I went to the gym for. Ah. It was just, I just, it felt so good. And um, having the experience now of having taken yoga in many different places, um, I realized that the gym environment was not the ideal environment, but I was blessed to have this really excellent teacher who Mm. was able to make it really good. And then I, you know, eventually left the gym and moved on and and took yoga on and off in a number of different um, settings, yoga studios and things like that. And kind of fell out of it for a while until I hit a point in my life when um, I was very stressed and my spouse suggested that I go find myself a yoga class again. And that is when I found you Mm. and started taking yoga with you. And um, was, was really deepening into the practice when you offered yoga teacher training and moved into yoga teacher training with the intention of simply 
um, deepening my own practice a little bit more, really getting into it, learning some more, and fell in love with the idea of sharing it with others. Mm. And then um, after yoga teacher training, I think I was, I think it was around for about a year when um, the 28 recession hit and my spouse was laid off and we decided that it was a good time to make a transition um, Mm -hmm. to um, upstate New York where we are now. We have been, I had family connections here for a long time and we had a, a cabin that was our vacation home here. So we packed up and left. And when I left um, to come up here, I also left behind a 20-year career in corporate America that wasn't feeling right anymore and started my own yoga studio here. So, um, yeah, it's been quite a progression over the years of... um, of really just growing into the practice. And, you know, the more I learned, the more I just desired to be part of this world. Mm. And you're now up in that neck of the woods 12 years. And I know that this past year, it has been really difficult for most yoga studios and, um, I'm, I think your physical location, uh, you closed, but you're still doing some online things or private classes up in that area? I, I am, yes. Um, when, we, um, when we had to shut down in New York State for COVID, um, we shut down the physical locations and thinking that it was going to be weeks. Yeah, And then, you know, of course it dragged on and on and it got to the point where financially um, maintaining a physical location empty was not feasible anymore. Yeah, But I did, I did switch to teaching online and I've kept up my group classes until um, actually I am phasing them out right now Uh so as of the end of September my online group classes are going away um, because I'm also making some shifts in my life Um, other things are going on too and it just felt like it was the right time Mm -hmm. to let that part of my life go I do still have private clients that I work with um, and we've still been working virtually all this time so that will continue um, I love I love working with my private clients because it really gives me an opportunity to get to know them, um, get to know their bodies, get to know what's going on with their life, and it's a it's a very um, special relationship working with people that way. Right. So, yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. I I feel like a lot of the interviews and the podcasts kind of go in this direction with people. Um, we start talking about, I think, 
the broader context of yoga and as you grow as a person and as things start to change that your definition or understanding of yoga changes so you may not be as involved in actively teaching or even uh, doing as many physical practices as before but the yoga changes and I think that that is what I've been seeing with you a lot Um, a lot more it seems like karma yoga and um, these things that you're involved in now with uh, helping the many different animals on our planet so can you share with um, everyone what it is that you're doing and you know we'll talk about how that's yoga what your what your practices are today yeah sure so um my other thing that i've been doing um i a few years ago i became licensed by new york state to rehabilitate wildlife so i work with injured and orphaned animals that um that we do what we have to do to heal and or raise in the case of orphans and then release them back into the wild. And my real passion with that is turtles. So I um, decided that that was going to be my area of expertise. And I do work with other animals too, but most of my training and um, devotion has been to turtles. And it has just grown exponentially over the last few years. Uh, So this year I started a nonprofit, um, Dancing Turtle Rescue, and I am doing um, work with turtles taking care of injured turtles. Most of our injuries are due to um, cars hitting them on the roads. Mm -hmm. And also um, raising some babies that are um, hatched in our incubators. Some of them are eggs that are recovered from uh, moms that didn't make it. Or um, we have moms that are in the recovery process and healing, but need to lay those eggs. So we induce them and let them release those eggs so that they're not in that mode of needing to get to some place to nest and they can settle down and and heal. So I have lots of babies and we raise them. We keep them over the winter. Mm. And then um, in the spring, we release them. So it gives them a little bit of a head start on life. And through this process, too, I've really um, become involved with conservation, Um, not just turtles, but their habitats, and Mm -hmm. really recognizing the impact that human beings have on them and trying to um, spread the word So I've been doing some environmental education programs, which feel a lot like teaching yoga. Right. Um, I I find that I find that I tend to 
speak and move in when I'm doing those in kind of the same way that I do in yoga and um, all that breath work that we've done in yoga um, I can bring into that and say okay you know how much can you slow your breath down because turtles can slow theirs down a whole lot more and it's, it's just <laughs> a really great it's been a really great way for me to kind of feel into um what or where humans are in the broader environment. And yoga has really helped me kind of get into my physical body and recognize that the animal part, you know, that we have this, we have this consciousness that we work with in yoga a lot, but there is also this physical body and, Asana helps to bring the two together. It's really this, the union that Mm -hmm. is yoga. So what do you think it was that drew you specifically to turtles? Is that something that you just always love them? Or was it that you saw this great impact and were called to, to help these beautiful animals? I was led to turtles in a number of different ways. Um, I, part of it is my, um, my growing up. Um, I grew up on the ocean Mm. and um, actually my, my dream in high school was to be a marine biologist and that did not work. (laughs) (laughs) That was not like when it came time for college, that was not the direction things went in. Um, So there was always that love of marine animals. Mm. And a number of years ago, I had or I participated in a shamanic journeying workshop. And the very first guide that appeared for me was a turtle and gave me this very strong message to follow the turtle home. Oh, wow. And it was just kind of, it was always there. And friends of mine that, that were in that workshop with me and heard about that just kind of attached to that and all of a sudden kept giving me turtle stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, and, um, it was funny because I was unpacking, you know, you know, those boxes when you move that it's like years and years and years before you unpack them. Oh, yes. <laughs> the stuff that I moved. <laughs> I had a, um, a way, way back when, like in my early 20s, um, when the Internet was brand new, I was um, doing some spiritual work with a group on one of those old listservs, you know, (laughs) kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and made some connections there. And I had somebody that sent me some gifts. And one of them was this little turtle candle. Um, And I never burned it or anything like I just it used to sit on my altar. And it was one of those things that got packed up and in a box that I hadn't looked at. And until recently 
um, you know, within the last few years, I finally unpacked that box and I was like, oh, here was this turtle. <laughs> it's like, and it almost looked like the one that showed up in my journey. And mm. it was like, oh, that's very interesting. I had forgotten about it, you know, that that, that All was those there. little connections that yeah. are there are are beautiful. That's part of I think that union, right? Of yoga uh-huh. was was there for you, guiding you, even if it wasn't on a conscious level. Yeah, and then when I started um, digging, when I started looking at wildlife rehab and. Um, that was that came about really as a way of wanting to serve and feeling like I needed to give back to the earth that had given me so much. Mm. And if it was, it, it felt like a really good way to do that. And, um, you know, turtles, of course, now there was turtle stuff all over. Um, I had um, adopted a turtle at that point and, there are so many more now, but, um, you know, so I had, I had a turtle who was a pet now and I was in relationship with turtle and I was like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to take this in the direction of turtles. Um, because I have such a love for them that just keeps growing. And the more I, the more I get to learn about them and know them and, and be in relationship with them, the more that love just grows. So yeah. that's how it came about. The word, um, as you're talking and I'm listening to you, the word that kept coming up, and I think I, I've seen a lot of this uh, in your promotional material in the past too, is, is the shamanic yoga, right? It just, it seems like that is a very rooted call for you, uh, connecting with the earth, its beings, the elements, um, that, that, that really hooks you. It was some kind of thing that kind of made sense to you at some point do you remember when was that after the workshop you had that was it was actually it took a number of years after that um I kind of dabbled in shamanic practices a little Mm -hmm. bit and then um I'm also a Reiki practitioner Mm -hmm. have been for um a long time I did my first Reiki training in 2000 so it's been a while um but then I found shamanic Reiki, which um, was a way to bring the shamanic practices and Reiki together, which really amplified Reiki for me. Like, I never really did anything with my Reiki training until I found shamanic Reiki and brought the shamanic practices in. And once I started to really um, integrate those shamanic practices, I found that my yoga practice, my asana practice kind of shifted in that direction too. So I would, um, I would actually find myself experiencing like shape shifting and things like that. So when I was um, taking on a pose, especially the ones that um, tend to look or feel like animal shapes, mm. I, I was finding that I was, I was going through this little shape shifting where um, instead of, you know, 
putting my physical human body into this shape, I was taking, like, really feeling myself becoming like a cat or mm-hmm. a dog or a crow. And I, the experiences, because I would get very much out of my head when that happened and really feel this experience. And they might be moments, you know, just, just these little short sparks of that. But it became something I'm like, I wanted other people to see if they can experience this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started, um, I created a class that was expressly for that, to start to introduce shamanic practices to people. And um, through the context of yoga, so they were, they were working in a, a format that was familiar to them, you know, that the flow of a yoga class and then just bringing these little pieces in. And then I was, I shifted um, what would be Savasana, which is usually silent into a guided journey opportunity. I love that. I love that. That's amazing. And it was, I really enjoyed teaching them. I found though that they did not translate well to online yeah I think I think you just need that that energetic um, connection gathering so I have I'm not teaching that anymore that may be something when this is all over and we get to go back to doing things normally that if I if I came back to teaching group classes it would probably be in that format yeah, it's um, it's something that spoke to you. I'm sure that your students really resonated with it as well. Um, and it's it's something different um, and unique. And I think that is something that everybody's kind of transforming through in this process of everything that we're going through is weeding out all the stuff that's doesn't resonate with you, doesn't speak to your highest self and really fully stepping into who you truly are on a vaster level. Um, So the falling away of the physical location or the different practices and moving into these things that really speak to you on a soul level, on a, on a heart level. um, I think that's where all of us are headed. And it seems like you're on a really good trajectory with that, with everything that you're doing. Does that feel yeah, right to you? It does. It does. It feels like that. And it's giving me an opportunity also to kind of make some shifts in my life. I mean, I, I know I don't have to tell you this, but maybe your listeners need to hear that running a yoga studio, while it sounds like beautiful soul work, it's really <laughs> hard work and sometimes very frustrating work. Um, and, and being able to set that aside and, and then create some more space in my life, um, especially at this point in my life where I'm getting older, um, and not a lot of people know this yet, but I'm going to be a grandmother in a month. So another big life change (laughs) Yeah, And, and just having that kind of you know, that space to do what 
to live how I've te- you know taught all along is that you need to make space in your life to just be, and mm. you know it's hard when you are you know trying to keep a business going, right? Which is what a yoga studio is, mm-hmm. um, and and to you know to walk your talk at the same time is not always easy. So I feel like I have more space to. Um, to really be as I have taught other people to try to be. Yeah, that hits home for me a lot too. This has been a, a weird and strange year. And I think I was right there with a lot of other people in, I'm going to have to close the studio, you know, I'm going to have to close the physical location. And I moved to a smaller location and I made it through the year and I thought, I'm still going to have to close, you know, and exactly what you said, maybe it's time for me to get to some of the other stuff that I want to do. But for some reason, the universe is not moving me in that direction yet. It still wants me to hold space physically for people. And I'm not quite sure why (laughs) I had made peace with letting it go. And, um, but the universe is not, I don't know. I just, I'm part of my thing. Part of what I'm here to do is hold space for people. And I guess on that physical level, it's still coming in. So, you know, but I'm glad to see that for you, um, you have moved on because it is a stressful, uh, difficult thing. And I think in teacher training, I, I tell that to everyone, <laughs> but I think a lot of people are like, no, my dream is to own a studio. And I think that's amazing. Uh, and it's amazing to hold that space for people, but it is difficult. So, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that talk from teacher training and I, thought about it many times when, <laughs> when you know I mean because even through the the decade that we were physically open um, there were lots of ups and downs financially and and you know with time management and all of those kinds of things and teachers yeah. you know teachers that were were working with me coming and going um, and every time that things got difficult I would remember that <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, Terry, you can't say I wasn't warned. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, there's something, though, that you just get back, I think, from from people, you know, when you're on the brink of that's it. I just can't do this anymore. You get that email or that note or that just something from someone that's that says, you know, thank you for being here, because if it wasn't for you, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think keeps, that's what keeps me going all these years. And, um, you know, somebody said something to me recently and, and it just was like, okay, I, I'm not meant to, to end this yet for whatever reason, but yeah, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing. Do you think you'll ever, I mean, I guess it's hard to say now if you'd ever have a physical location again, but if you did, it would probably be quite different given all the work that you're doing with the conservation efforts and everything. Yes. Um, I don't think that I would open a dedicated yoga studio again. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I have done my visioning around what I want to happen with my nonprofit, um, one of my long-term goals is a refuge, a sanctuary for turtles, um, for some of them that are injured to the point where they would um, 
they've survived, they've healed, but not well enough that they would be okay, you know, out in the wild unprotected. And I also have a number of um, non-native turtles that have been recovered from the wild where they were either released or escaped pets mm. um, that, and are, they are um, considered invasive and their presence is very hard on the native turtles because they're a more um, aggressive eaters and, and more competitive mm. as far as resources. So um, when we get them either because they come in injured or people find them and they get to me, we're not allowed to release them back out. So I'm collecting oh, these wow. turtles <laughs> that <Wow. laughs> um, really, really need a place to be where um, they're contained, you know, they can have a pond or whatever, but they're contained and can't escape back out into, um, into the, uh, the rest of the broader ecosystem. So right. um, my dream is to have, you know, land and ponds and um, a rehab center that is not in my side yard, but, you know, mm -hmm. a, a proper building. And, um, and part of that, I, I want to have it also be a place where people can come and learn and be in nature and you know, walk through trails past the ponds, and and just get to be. And I've always drawn um, a little space where um, people could come for workshops or yoga classes or things like that. That that has always kind of been like there's this one corner that's. Um, for those kinds of practices again, because I know how important yoga was for me connecting to the earth. Mm. So I, you know, it's, I, I always see it as a, a way to bring people into that. And when you can bring them to the earth for the practice, then it feels like it would be even more impactful. So I have a feeling that there will be a space again for yoga someday. Well, let's hope because I hear from some of your students that have come on retreat with me that you're a fabulous teacher. And I, I mean, I haven't seen you teach in 12 years, but you were good then. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure that you've really come into something special and, and then sharing that with people would be a great thing. So I hope that you have that uh, happen for you. And I'm hope. Uh, can you take a couple minutes? Because I think it would be really good to share. I've seen you post some things in the past about like if you see a turtle, don't do this or do this. Um, it, first of all, can you tell us what are the times of the year that we might see? or be on the lookout for turtles to be on the road and then what to do or not do. Can you kind of share some important stuff with listeners about that? Oh, I would love to. So turtles nest in the late spring to early summer. Um, it depends on, of course, where you are in the world. So um, 
the season is much longer down south. Um, up here, it, it tends to be short. This has been a weird summer, and I'll tell you about that in a second. But um, generally, um, we look for turtles on the road here from about mid-May to um, July 4th. Okay. And they, at that point, all the female turtles come out of the water and they lay their eggs on land and they tend to cross roads. Um, and a lot of them actually like the, the gravel shoulders on the roads. Hmm. So why are they um, drawn to that? It's easy to dig in. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. just, it's like the ideal substrate for their nest. So they dig holes and they lay their eggs in the nest and then they cover them up and then they go back across the road and back into their pond. The, um, the problem is when they're crossing the road that um, they a lot of times get hit by cars. Mm -hmm. So the, the number one thing we tell people is to watch for them. And if you see a turtle in the road when you're driving and it's a nice quiet road and you're not in a hurry, just stop and let it cross. <laughs> they're, they're turtles. Um, sometimes you can just hurry, you can hurry them along by just kind of getting out and walking towards them and they're like, oh, person, and they'll run the rest of the way across. Um, if it's a place where there's a little more traffic and um, you're worried about people getting in the way, you know, not other people not being patient with it or cars coming the other way or something, and it is safe for you to do so, and we always emphasize this, you know, we don't want anyone to um, get hit by a car, you know, trying to save a turtle. Um, but you know, if it's safe for you to do so then go ahead and go grab that turtle and walk them across the road in the direction that they were going. So a lot of people are like, oh, there's a turtle in the road. I want to pick it up and I'm going to um, take it back to the pond where you know, mm. it just came out of and, and put it back so it'll be safer there. Well, if that's a female that's waiting, that wants to lay her egg, you're going to put the turtle down. You're going to drive away. And that turtle is going to turn around and go right back out and right. go right back across because it knows where it wants to go. So we okay. always tell people to just take it across um, and put it where it's safe, you know, on Good the other know, side. Because just... I've actually wondered that a couple of times. So thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and then um, if you see an injured turtle, you know, if you're if you're too late. Um, which happens a lot. Um, first of all, if, if it's safe for you to get out and stop and check, even if you think, oh my gosh, you know, that turtle got hit, it must be dead. A lot of times they're not. Mm -hmm. um, turtles, you know, we, we joke about turtles doing things slowly. One of the things they do most slowly is die. Um, they have a really slow metabolism and it takes them a long time. And a lot of times, um, they can survive if they get help. Okay. So, um, so if you find a turtle that has been hit um, and you can scoop it up 
put it in a box or even, you know, lay it on a towel or, or something um, on your car seat. If it's not injured too much, you're going to want to contain it because they will get up and run around even if shell pieces are hanging off. They're, mm. they're pretty resilient. Um, but if you can um, get it off the road, that's number one. And then call for help. So most states in the United States have um, licensed wildlife rehabilitators, and you can usually find them through either um, the Fish and Wildlife Service or um, whatever their environmental conservation organization is within the state. There's also a really great resource. Excuse me, a really great <laughs> resource, um, Animal Help Now, um, and it's ahnow.org is the website, and they even have an app you can download so you can find them anywhere. And it is a nationwide listing of wildlife rehabilitators who have chosen to participate with them. And if you have the app, it'll um, ping your location so you can do a search and it'll bring up, you know, who's right near you um, and who works with turtles. I mean, you can search for reptiles and um, find people who are dedicated to turtles, but a lot of wildlife rehabbers, even if they're not, you know, turtle people, they usually know somebody who is. Uh, we do a lot of networking amongst ourselves to make sure that we can help at least direct people to um, people who work with those species. So that's the most okay. important thing. Get it off the road and then find help. Um, and can you talk a little bit about the shell too? Because I, um, that was another thing I think I learned from you too, is that, um, and it makes total sense. Like, why would I think that the shell wasn't a living, breathing part of the turtle? It is. It is. So, yeah, the shell is actually um, grows out of the turtle's ribs, and it's a bony it's a bony plate, and then the the top part, the outer part, is kind of like fingernail. Right. It's, yeah. You know, the carrot, the keratin, um, which they which they shed, but that that underlayer um, is. So, and that's the part that, you know, breaks, has nerve endings and blood vessels and, um, and you know, they, they can feel, they have sensation through their shells. So it's not, you know, I always think of like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons and stuff where the turtle used to just like climb out of his shell and run away and then come back yeah. into it. But, you know, and it doesn't work like that. They can't do that. Um, but they do, they have um, this tremendous amount of sensation so they can feel like even the pressure of you holding them. And mm -hmm. um, they definitely, you know, it's definitely painful for that shell to break. But because they have the blood vessels and stuff, because it is living tissue, that means that that shell can heal itself. And, right. um, you know, we've, we've, Wildlife rehabilitators and vets have done a lot of research recently. Um, turtles were neglected in the, the rehab world for many years. Um, but I'd say in the last 
decade, they've really started doing a lot more around this and, you know, have learned that if we could just get that shell, the, the shell pieces back together and stabilize, just like a broken bone in your arm, if you, if you realign it and stabilize it, it will heal itself. Mm. Their, their shells will do the same thing. And um, I think we're doing a lot better at um, helping them and, and saving them. And um, we're also, um, you know, we've found pain meds and things like that that are that work um, for their special metabolism. So. so the other thing then is, you know, a lot of people get pets like turtles for small children. Uh, oh, turtle will be good. Um, don't um, paint the shell. No, no, because that... It number one cuts off the airflow to what is living tissue, mm-hmm. and um, they also um, any reptile, amphibian, anything that's exothermic or what we call cold-blooded um, needs both the warmth from the sun. And we, they don't generate their own heat. Um, mammals, us, you know, we. Um, digest and things like that. We make our own body heat. Mm. They can't do that. They actually need to absorb heat from the outside in order for their body processes to work. And they also need to absorb um, the ultraviolet light, the UVB, um, through their shell um, in order to be able to um, metabolize calcium and vitamin D and things like that. It's really essential. And if you paint over the top of their shell, you're cutting that off. Um, mm-hmm. They've just lost this huge surface area of being able to absorb um, heat and UV. So, yeah, you know, I think um, it's important to share this information because some of this stuff isn't something that I think most people would think about or understand right so um if every every living breathing uh being on this planet um has very special and unique needs and gifts and the more we can share and the more we can honor that uh the more yoga we are practicing so thank you absolutely thank you for all that i know you're on a time crunch do you have time for a couple of quick uh rapid questions for the end Sure. So is your favorite yoga pose tortoise? <laughs> Do you have a different one? <laughs> it is one. Of, it, it actually is one that I really like. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so let's see. Do you have a favorite yoga quote? You know, when I, when I need a quote for yoga, I always go back to the sutras. And um, the sutra that of what yoga is, and yoga is the settling of the mind into silence, mm-hmm. um, into that union. And I, I always come back to that when I'm frustrated by my physical practice or, you know, things that it's like, that's not ultimately what it's really about. Yeah. It's about getting to that place where um, you get that sense of oneness and things quiet down 
Yeah. I love that. I love that you brought that in. Thank you. (laughs) Um, How about any advice for any new yoga aspirants, people out there that are thinking about trying yoga? Any, any advice, any thoughts? Don't look at, don't (laughs) my, I think my most, the most um, profound advice that I can give is do not look at pictures of people doing yoga on Instagram Mm, and off Instagram in general. (laughs) (laughs) It's um, one of my biggest challenges. Um, is that my body is not the same as it was 25 years ago when I started doing yoga. And um, I don't, I don't always like the way I look in yoga Mm -hmm. poses now. Um, But the poses that I like the most are the ones that make me feel good where, you know, I, I feel like I'm really in my body and there's, I'm not hurting myself. And I think that's the, the most important thing for people beginning is to let go of the idea that you're going to look like this in a pose, like you have to force your body into the pose mm-hmm. and instead let the pose meet your body where it is and, um, Finding a teacher who will guide you and help you to find that, I think, is the most important thing for anybody new. And please don't be discouraged if you think that your body does not look like those bodies on Instagram. Mm, Amen. Those bodies on Instagram don't look like the real bodies. (laughs) (laughs) How about, um, I love asking this question. This is the final question that I throw out there. Um, what is Samadhi? What's Samadhi to you? The mm-hmm. bliss, the bliss of being in alignment and it's not physical alignment. It's where you're aligned with your purpose um, and where that's really clear, where you just kind of drop in. And it's, it's those moments of bliss, those moments of connection, um, the moments of feeling like you belong. Mm right where you are. And I think that that's, um, that for me, that sense of, you know, I belong here in nature, that I am part of it. Um, when I get those sense, those moments, that's Samadhi to me. That's beautiful. Thank you, Debbie. Before you head out, can you share your contact information, website information of um, how people can contact you if they want to donate or be a part of anything or just 
look into uh, what you're doing more? Sure. Uh, my website for my um, my business, my practices for shamanic Reiki and yoga is debbiefilp.com, and that's D-E-B-B-I-E-P-H-I-L-P.com. Um, and there you can find um, ways to join my email newsletter. I've been doing um, lots of virtual offerings around shamanic practices. Um, I do, I lead a, um, a really short 30 minute conference call journey opportunity every new and full moon, um, which is a lot of fun and those kinds of things. And then my um, turtle rescue is dancing turtle rescue and that's dancingturtlerescue.org on the internet. Um, and, um, yeah, and the website there has lots of information, what to do if you find a turtle, and also um, some of the pet turtles that we've rescued that are up for adoption. So if anybody in um, the New York State area would like to adopt a turtle, feel free to check that out. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out and um, doing this podcast with me today and I I mean I, I just love the work that you're doing I know that um, everything that you're putting out there into the universe is just beautiful and um, and helping the world in a big way so you're you're totally living that life a style of the yogi the yogini and um, just a really good model for other people and how to live uh, in in oneness and in peace with the planet and uh, and all its sentient beings. So thank you so much, Debbie. Thank you for having me, Tracy. And it was great to catch up with you after so many years. I know. I know. I um, this part of my selfishness in doing this podcast is talking to some of my students that um, I miss and love and have just want to reconnect with. So <laughs> my own selfish uh, reasons, but. Um, yeah, it's been great. Thanks so much and all the best on your endeavors. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.